Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA Civic, Texas Hill Country Advisors is not an affiliate of Next. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Andrew Gay, Gilbert Pies, and Texas Hill Country Advisors and not those of Next. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Texas Hill Country Market Update, brought to you by the Texas Hill Country Advisors, your local Texas Hill Country source for what's going on in the economy, the stock market, and the world of personal finance. We are your co-host, Andrew Gay and Gilbert Pies, right here in Kerrville, Texas, fresh out of our studio here in our back office at Texas Hill Country Advisors. Coming to you live this morning, it's almost 9.45. we got a sunny morning this morning. Uh, unfortunately, here in the Hill Country, we did not get a whole lot of rain, even though we did see some. Finally, we broke our streak. What was it? 50 days or 50 something? 50 something days, yeah. Um, so, but we're back at it. We just, and actually just last night, I think you got, did you get the notification about uh, water restriction? Yes. So Stage four. We moved in, to stage four water restrictions. We're in stage four. And it's interesting because if you look at the chart, the one right next to it is just blacked out or not blacked out, but it's like, it's in just red. It's just all red. So like, apparently if we go one more stage further, that's like the the worst spot to be in. So um, I guess we, I guess we have to lock up our water hoses and stuff and we can't do anything <laughs> then. So I got to turn off my water sprinklers. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be doing that, man. No, Why are you no. telling on yourself, man? Um, okay. So uh, let's jump to, to the markets. What we got this morning, as far as financial news and notes, all three major U S stock indexes closed into the green yesterday. Uh, you know, we've had back-to-back -back weeks over the last couple of weeks that the markets were down, but they seem to be doing their best to try to buck that trend this week. So we had positive days in all three of the major U.S. stock indexes yesterday. Uh, NVIDIA came out and reported their earnings after the market closed yesterday, and they were stellar. They were way higher than expected. They, they beat by several billion dollars in revenue, I believe. So that lifted sentiment across the board. And so far this morning, the last time I checked, we're up across the board. So so far this morning, just because uh, off the back of, of that positive news. And a lot of this, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but a lot of it's related to the AI boom or expected boom that is supposed to happen as far as NVIDIA makes a lot of these chips. And one of the ways I heard it positioned this morning was that if you have, if you own some kind of business or something that has anything to do with AI, you're probably not going to go to any of their competitors. Um, any of the competitors of NVIDIA to get those chips because NVIDIA just has such a tight grip on that market right now that there's there's supposed, supposedly uh, manufacturers or end users that would use NVIDIA's products and their chips waiting to buy their specific chips and not even really going with their competitors. I heard something like a number that was around 70%, I think, of the market share for that kind of those kind of chips. Uh, they've done a good, and that's what NVIDIA holds, but They've done a good job, I think, in the past two of kind of ebbing and flowing with the market because, you know, they, they look to benefit greatly off of the AI uh, boom and growth if that remains sustainable for the foreseeable future. But they also, you know, uh, produce chips when needed for graphics, um, enhanced graphics for like gamers and stuff recently, too. So they really did a good job of of putting their stake in the ground and saying, hey, we're the ones that you want to buy those types of chips from. So as trends, trends have changed, um, they are still upholding their end of the bargain there as far as uh, market share and offering those those chips. And it's a big deal. You know, there was legislation passed. Was that last year? The CHIP 
act, um, you know, and, and so it's a big deal because they go in everything that we use, whether it's computer devices, all this stuff that we're sitting here in front uh, in front of us today, like the soundboard, all, all kinds of, of gadgets that we use those chips for, not not to mention things like cars and, and so on and so forth. So uh, have you messed around with AI? No, no, absolutely okay. not. I'm scared. Well, we, you and I have some, like <laughs> ChatGPT. Well, yeah, you, you showed me that a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it is scary. We were just talking about it this morning, yeah. the uh, uh, deep fakes and stuff. Yeah, some of it is kind of scary, right? So anyway, moving right along on the economic front, we had jobless claims out this morning. We had durable goods orders out this morning, too. Jobless claims were, were holding steady right around 230,000 level for the past week. Durable goods orders dropped off. I think over 4% for the month of July after being up almost that much in the month previous in June, uh, you know, but it, it, one month doesn't make a trend. Uh, that's all I'd have to say about that. I think that we would continue to see this trend of weakening uh, purchasing and, and consumer demand continue to drop off and trend in a downward direction as rates continue to remain high. So we might have seen some of that in July, not necessarily June. Uh, the Jackson Hole Symposium kicks off today, and Powell will give us a speech tomorrow morning. That's a big deal. I think I did a little bit of, of homework on the Jackson Hole Symposium, and I think a couple of things I just wanted to mention. One was, is that – and do you know – I actually – don't know if this is correct or not, but Alan Greenspan delivered his speech there about uh, irrationalist exuberance, um, possibly at that symposium. I don't remember if it was there at Jackson Hole. I, I seem to remember it was uh, in front of Congress. He was giving some testimony. See, that's what I thought. But, but, but it could be that maybe he mentioned it for the first time there. Well, I just I braced through this article, so I could have read that wrong. But um, either way, it's a longstanding staple of a, of a convention of sorts in the in the economic community and in, uh, in the economist community. It's been on since 1978. The, the Kansas City Fed, Federal Reserve, is the one that hosts it. And I don't know if you guys ever like have been to that area. I know I haven't been to that area. I think you've been close to that area, right? But not necessarily not, not quite, to it. Quite, yeah. um, but it is absolutely stunning. So you get, I always, I think it's funny the contrast between you get these world economists here. They, at they this. invite me every year, but you know, I don't have time <laughs> for that. I've you're one of the hundred people that gets invited. <laughs> that was the other thing that, I'm just um, kidding, by the way. It, it was, really there was a really good article. It was a New York Times article, I think, that just kind of explained some of the backstory and how apparently after uh, th there's been changes in, in who's been invited and, and how many people are invited. And apparently some of that changed. Esther George was, uh, I think, working at this Kansas City Fed. And, and after 2014, there's been this insider uh, talk, I think, amongst the economist community around the globe about who's going to get invited and, 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 you know, are you amongst the elite that get invited? Because apparently there was a long running a uh, uh, pattern of like finance economists and people that were kind of you would expect to be in the banking industry, maybe here in the U.S., global leaders of sorts that were getting invited. And some of that apparently has shifted since 2014. So, um, you know, there's there's always this inside inside chatter about what's going on there and, and who's who's going to be lucky enough to get the golden ticket. All right. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a beautiful place. It's absolutely stunning. So uh, I always think it's funny. You, you picture these economists sitting next to these windows trying to solve world problems, but also looking out to try to see if they can catch a glance at a, a moose or a bear or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> Up close. It's, a, it's just a funny contrast to me. But yeah, so anyway, so it's just it's a lot. And, and I also did not know that the Rockefeller 
um, family or foundation or some arm of their um, estate or owns a lot of the land around that. And at the time in 78, I guess, or when they were looking, they were scouting a new location for this convention that the Kansas City Fed was hosting. Paul Volcker was the Fed chair at the time. And this was right up his alley because he was like a big fly fisherman. So this is really close to like something that they could have used as prime to, fly yeah, to, to like entice him sure. to come out. Um, hey, come solve some of the world problems here. And you can hang out for, for a weekend and maybe get some fly fishing in too. <laughs> Anyway, so so that's uh, that's happening today, and I think it technically concludes uh, Saturday. But but like I said, Jerome Powell is scheduled to give us a speech tomorrow morning, so we'll be watching that because um, that that speech has has its own reputation over the years. Now that the Fed chair delivers this speech at the Jackson Hole Symposium um, to kind of give their idea about uh, where the economy is is headed, and especially now with inflation and, and higher interest rates and that sort of thing. So. Uh, that's about the end of my rant today. If I know there was one other thing we wanted to talk about, Gilbert, you want to mention that? Yes, quick and yes. bring, bring that up. You know, one of the things that really hasn't been on a lot of people's minds the past uh, few months with all the other things going on in the world is, is the potential for a government shutdown at the end of September. In, in case you don't know, um, Usually what happens is... Well, I feel like we just went through this. Well, th that was that was a different shutdown reason. <laughs> that was more of the um, uh, the, the debt ceiling issue was, was a little bit of a different animal right. than, than this other deal that's going on right now. So same song, but maybe different dance. Uh, sort, of, sort of, yes. Now, now usually what happens is uh, Congress will pass a spending resolution to fund government operations for every year that goes by. And at the end of September is when their fiscal year ends. And that's usually when their funding runs out to fund the government operations, traditional day-to-day -day government operations. Um, and so we're obviously coming up to the month of September. And that means that Congress has about 45 more days maybe to get this government resolution passed so that they can fund government operations for the next year. Now, last October, if you'll recall, was the last time that the government did some budget maneuvers and spending resolutions to fund the government for the rest of the year, the fiscal year. And, and like I said, that ends in September. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of talk right now that there's a, a pretty powerful group in Congress right now, and they called the House Freedom Caucus, that is going to do everything they can to block any temporary spending measures to fund the government operations. What they're wanting to do is roll in a bunch of other demands that they have in order to vote for a continuing resolution to fund government operations. And in particular on Monday, this past Monday, the House Freedom Caucus, it's roughly about three dozen Republican lawmakers uh, are, are saying to their leadership in the House that they will not vote for any kind of short-term stopgap spending measure to fund government operations unless some of their demands are met. And, and there's a lot of talk, obviously, because of the divided government that we have, that there's a bunch of Democrats that are no way, no how ever going to go along with what they're asking for. Yeah. And so there, there's a distinct possibility that as we get closer to the end of September, we'll hear more about, you know, government shutdown. 
Um, and, and there are, you know, some some short and intermediate term things that could, you know, impact uh, the government and the economy. But, you know, is, is it going to be drastic? Like um, uh, th- this is kind of a different animal than the, the one that we saw limit issue that we had issue. earlier in the year. Yes. Uh, the death ceiling limit related to whether or not the government was going to continue paying interest on their outstanding debt and whether they were going to have the ability to continue issuing debt to fund the government. This is a little bit of a different animal, but it's it's very similar. Um, we have had many instances throughout the years of a government shutdown, partial or, or somewhat of a extended government shutdown. But typically what happens is they compromise, come up with some kind of a agreement you know, you, you give a little here, I give a little there, and then you get enough votes to pass the government resolution to fund the government for the next year. But there's a lot of talk that these folks in the Freedom Caucus are are just not going to do any of it. And it, it remains to be seen. I think we'll hear more about it as the weeks go by and as we get into the middle of September, because typically what happens, as we saw with the um, uh, debt ceiling deal, you're going to have nothing happen, and there's a lot of talk before the deadline comes up, and then at the very yeah. last minute, you get an agreement and things get passed and we move on. Um, is that likely to happen again? Probably, but this time there may be an actual government shutdown where you get different departments of the government shut down. Like uh, one year, I remember we had national parks got shut down, and one year there was... Um, uh, there was a a all the national labs got shut down and you know real goofy kind of things and then of course too uh, the people that are in government law enforcement positions in the military they did not get paid for one to two months now they did eventually get paid because you can't just allow government uh, law enforcement to walk away from their jobs you can't just allow the military to go home. And you can't allow uh, air traffic controllers to just walk off the job and go home. They have to get paid. Now, uh, there's a lot of things that would tell you that, well, we we didn't say we were going to pay you. So it might be 30, 60 days, 90 days. And and there's some talk, too, that, uh, you know, if some of these guys in the Freedom Caucus, if they don't get what they want, that they're willing to shut down the government for months at a time. Um, Is that possible? Sure it is. Is it likely? Probably not. But right. I think over the next few weeks, we'll hear more talk about that and how that could potentially impact the economy and the market in the short term. Um, and then and then depending on how long the shutdown lasts, uh, you know, possibly for the long term. So we'll see. But and I think, uh, it's coming up. Yeah. And there because the <clears throat> excuse me, the year, the fiscal year ends on September 30th. Yes. Right. And they and I think. um I, I'm reading here. This is a Brookings article. What's the Senate scheduled to return from? Because the House and the Senate essentially pass different bills. Yes. And so when that happens, there's a procedure that has to take place where they have to. They're kind of forced to come to, come to some kind of compromise. Right. And the House the the Senate doesn't come back until September 5th, giving it four weeks to make progress on passing fiscal 2024 appropriations. And the House, however, isn't scheduled to return until September 12th, which means it will be in session only three weeks before the fiscal year ends on September 30th. So it basically gives them like two working weeks to come up with a solution um, for the differential between those two bills. Right. So if that doesn't happen, 
they're just we're going to be that's when the shutdown could happen and we're just kind of going to linger in in purgatory until they figure that out right right right, right. And, and i think the the news cycle regarding government shutdown uh the end of the fiscal year will start to ramp up as we get into september yeah all right good stuff this morning guys thank you so much for tuning in don't forget interact with us share our content helps other people find the show we're on facebook linkedin and youtube most weekdays the stock market is open and all places podcasts are possible thank you so much Take care. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We will catch you back here tomorrow morning.